Thank you for joining me for your MMA scoop. This is Ray Zomokasu. In this mug. God, I had to take a couple of breaths. Uh, size before I even started recording this thing. Because I'm still really hot about what happened. But we're, we're going to go into to the introductions. Of course, this is my show. Raise on the plot of soup. You can catch all my stuff on Twitter at Darce underscore smokes. And today I got a returning guest for you guys, my man Dior. We had a hot episode a few months ago. I'm glad he's returning. What's up, bro? Howdy. I'm glad to be back. Hell yeah, man. I'm really glad that you're back. You answered the call. This is a short notice thing like Justin Gaethje. So. We're going to go ahead and keep it pushing. The uh, UFC 249, we're fresh off of that. Just happened last night, literally less than 24 hours ago. Like I said, uh, this this I'm a little bittersweet about this thing, man. What do you think about the overall card? Uh, I have mixed feelings about the card because all the people, I, you know, I, I was rooting for basically got blown off the water. But it was a pretty good card. Yeah, no, the, the the card itself was good, but you know, if you're uh, like yourself, diehard MMA fan, you know what we lost to get this card. We'll go ahead and talk about that a little bit later. The first fight of the night that we'll discuss is the boy Bryce Mitchell, Arkansas, fought Charles Rosa, and he looked good doing it. What did you think about that match? I was completely blown away with Bryce Mitchell. I mean, his his ground game was was pretty serious. I mean, I was just blown away by the jiu-jitsu. I mean, I'm really not into the jiu-jitsu guys, but he's pretty captivating on the ground. Man, and, and you want to know what's crazy about that his jiu-jitsu is that it's not traditional jiu-jitsu. He has a really, really good top game. Um, and to the point where it's a systematic, he puts you in these systematic problems. So he went for the head and arm choke multiple times, forces the guy to give up his back, and when you give up your back, he gets that that uh, one leg hook in to set you up for the twister once you start rolling. And he's gotten pretty good at that thing. Kudos to Charles Rosa for defending the way he did. But damn, Bryce Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, he he's something else. He he's the next big thing. And with someone like that, I'm starting to think that. Max Holloway may not be able to get the belt back because it seems like the division, the featherweight division, is getting harder. Ooh, whoa. He's not even ranked yet. Wait a second. Even still, I mean, he's he's he's, he's going to enter into the division, into the top ten. I do think that they're doing the right thing by getting the man his camo shorts, investing in the product that is Bryce Mitchell. But we'll go ahead and keep it pushing. Uh, the next fight that we're going to talk about is what I believe was the... I haven't looked at what the uh, bonuses were. What I believe was the fight of the night. Um, that's Nico Price versus Vicente Luque. What did you think about that fight? Oh, that was a really good fight. That was a really, really good fight. Um, uh, I didn't really like the stoppage, but it was kind of anticlimactic, but it was still a good fight nevertheless. 
Um, I think that it was a really good stoppage. Um, I personally think that Nico Price took a lot of damage in that fight. Uh, he not I wouldn't say unnecessary, but that that one shot that swelled up his eye, that was a right on the money shot by Vicente Luque. Even you know Nico Price, as tough as he is, had to succumb to that shot. He immediately hit the floor uh, and you know recovered as the warrior that he is. But the the ref and the doctors they have jobs to do. Yeah, you're right. I agree. Um, so we'll go ahead and keep it pushing, man. Vicente Luque doing Vicente Luque things. Uh, we're actually going to skip this very uh, forgettable Michelle Watterson versus Carla Esparza fight um, and move on to the Alexi Olenek versus Fabricio Verdun fight. I did not expect this fight to go the way it did, but I'm happy oh, the way it did. Oh, yeah. Um, the thing about Fabricio in that fight, was that he, he kind of started off slow, but he, he picked up his rhythm in the second and third round. Well, I think that a lot of that was Olenek <clears throat> kind of blew his wad in that first round, don't you think? Oh, I, definitely, definitely. Uh, but even though Fabricio was losing that first round, I'm actually pretty astonished at his level of defense. True, yeah, no, he was shelling up very well. He wasn't taking, you know, super heavy blows, although Olenek was throwing them at him. Um, a lot of them hit the guard. Um, so kudos to Fabricio for recognizing that Olenek came to throw some hands. Oh, yeah. This post-USADA, this post-USADA era of War Doom is going to be totally different, in my opinion. Mm, very interesting. And Olenek, you know, looked better than ever. Like, you know, Joe was talking about, he looked really good as far as, like, his physique. So. Oh, yeah. But we'll go ahead and keep it pushing to the next fight, which uh, was another great fight for as long as it lasted. The boy Anthony Pettis got the decision victory over Cowboy Donald Cerrone. And, uh, you know, I didn't expect this fight to go the way it did, but they both had their moments. It felt like Donald Cerrone, he just hasn't quite made any adjustments to his game. Whereas Anthony Pettis has made really subtle adjustments, um, especially being able to utilize uh, that that foot sweep right off of his back where he's able to keep guys away and um, threaten them from being swept when they're standing on top of him. Donald Cerrone wasn't able to really get into the guard on the ground. But what did you think about that fight, Dior? I'm a hardcore Pettis fan. Yeah. Um, but I really believe he lost that fight. Oh, yeah, I feel like Donald had the upper hand uh, uh, on the stand-up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Why did you Why did you believe he felt had the upper hand? I mean, with the striking, uh, it seemed like uh, Donald Cerrone had definitely had the upper hand in the striking, and then especially with the takedowns, I felt like he, you know, it, it was his, you know, he 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 got the win, but it was the, it was the weird scoring. True. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And I felt like that one was it was tough to score. Um, I hear you. Donald Cerrone did have a few takedowns in a, and I've never really seen Donald Cerrone do any wrestling. So, uh, I even remember saying that when he shot the takedown was like, what Donald Cerrone wrestles. Um, but he really didn't do much with it. And I felt that Donald Cerrone looked really stiff for that fight. Whereas Anthony Pettis was more flowy 
He threw a few more kicks, uh, just switch kicks and things like that. Yeah, way but, more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But uh, Donald Cerrone did kind of settle in towards the end there, but we'll keep it pushing. That was a great fight. Greg Hardy versus Jorgen DeCastro. Hmm. What do you think about that one? I am very, very impressed with Greg Hardy. Just seeing mm-hmm. like his performance from when he first stepped into the UFC up until now, he has improved like significantly. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing at how fast he's improved. Just seeing his movement in and out of the pocket during the exchanges, I was, just, I was like, whoa. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a fighter now, right? Yeah. I don't he, know he, he'll be championship material in the future, but I know he's definitely getting more and more polished each fight. Do you think that going 15 minutes with the Alexander Volkov helped his, uh, I guess, his mental going into the cage against, you know, a very well-rounded striker himself, Jorgen DeCastro? Oh, most definitely. That loss was uh, was a learning lesson for him, and he improved. He, he definitely showed improvement. It, it's like he's – you can tell that he his mind is like a sponge. He's willing to take in the knowledge. True. Yeah, and like there's not many – Go ahead. No, no, I was just saying he, he, he's a true learner of the, uh, of the sport. Yeah, and there's not many guys that can match his athletic ability. I mean, Jorgen DeCastro – was someone who may have been able to beat Greg Hardy in the technical aspects because there were a few moments where Jorgen looked like he might clothesline Greg Hardy into oblivion. Um, but, you know, the, the reach and the height of Greg Hardy, you know, on top of the just the reflexes was uh, enough to keep him out of, you know, significant danger. Yeah, I really thought Castro was going to sleep him, honestly. But Greg Hardy just he he just you know shocked me with, with his with his movement. Mm-hmm. Hey man, Greg Hardy, welcome yeah. to the UFC, buddy. People are starting to uh, accept you as a fighter. But we'll <laughs> go ahead and keep it pushing. Calvin Cater versus Jeremy Stevens. Man, that fight was good for as long as it lasted. Uh, Calvin Cater ends up getting the second round. TKO, and you know, it looked like to me I had Jeremy Stevens winning the fight up until he lost. What did you think about that, Dior? I think it was pretty close uh, up until he got clipped. And mm-hmm. honestly, you know, when for Calvin to take out Stevens like that, that right Huge. there is big. Huge. Because yeah. Stevens, you know, he, he got some power behind his, you know, behind his fist. Huge. If you were getting to the championship levels of fighters, you got to go through Jeremy Stevens. That's a name that you have to have under your belt. And now Calvin Cater has that name. And he beat Jeremy, a, a, a heavy Jeremy Stevens, of yeah. almost five pounds over Jeremy Stevens. He, Man. He finished a basically. Like he finished a finisher. Yeah. Hey, and, and Jeremy Stevens is not somebody who gets finished a lot. I know, you know, his past few fights that he's had against, you know, real killers like Jose Aldo, he got finished. But it's not something that you see Jeremy Stevens folding a lot. So uh, kudos to Calvin Cater for getting it done. Yeah. We'll keep it pushing. Heavyweights, Francis Ngannou versus Jarzinho Rosenstruck in a 22nd fight that was... Just Francis Ngannou doing Francis Ngannou things. Hey, he asked for Ngannou. That's what he got. 
High risk, high reward is what I say to Jorzenia Rosenstrup. You know, um, I, I am a person who respects the risk. I really do. But when you go in there with, you're not fully prepared for that initial push from Francis Ngannou. What were you thinking? Like Francis Ngannou, I knew he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> Yeah, like what what makes Francis so much more dangerous is his uh, coach uh, Dewey Cooper, uh, former boxer. Because Dewey Cooper, you know, really really worked with Nagano on the striking, and and it's, and it's starting to show. It, it, his striking is getting way 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 more dangerous, in my opinion. Well, it, it's kind of hard to say for me, hard to say that because, in my opinion, this fight proved absolutely nothing. It did nothing. You just showed more of Francis Ngannou knocking motherfuckers out. Can he beat the guy that beat him, Stipe Miocic, that was able to evade that initial rush and put him on his head? What happens if someone puts Francis Ngannou on his ass? Like John Anik said to DC, and DC was like, DC, John, I would have took him down years ago. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, hopefully he's working on his ground game. It's got to be. Yeah. Has to be. But we'll go ahead and keep it pushing, man. He got the, he got the quick knockout. Uh, Henry Cejudo, Dominic Cruz, co-main event. Wow. Wow. Go ahead, Dior. You, you talk for a minute. Wow. I was pretty salty about that fight. I mean, it was pretty close. Even though Don was behind on the cards. And my, as I scored it, it was still a you know high elite fight, but that stoppage, you know, I, I was I, I was pretty bitter about the stoppage, but then when I heard Cruz talk, you know, to Megan Olivia about the fight and about the ref, I was like, oh no, yeah, yeah, he's uh he's he's been hitting the head too many times. Yeah, that dude, boy, he for an analyst, he does not really watch what he says, yeah, that much. But Henry, this is the Henry Cejudo show, and Henry Cejudo has turned me, a skeptic, an intellectual, into a fucking Henry Cejudo fan. Right as he walks off into the sunset after he beats three guys that have been considered the all-time greats in the division. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was waiting for Cruz and Dillashaw part two, but he took out both of those guys. We're never going to see it. Well, maybe, maybe you will. I don't know. I mean, but it won't be as, I mean, just, uh, it won't be the same now that Henry Cejudo obliterated both of them. Well, you know, and here's the thing. I, I was saying on the, I did a show a few days ago, just a pre-show, and I actually, you know, mentioned there that I didn't like either of these fighters. I'm not a Dominic Cruz fan at all, and like I just said, I was a skeptic on Henry Cejudo for the longest time. Um, so I looked at this fight completely unbiased, but... I knew that Henry Cejudo would come in here and look really good when he beat Dominic Cruz, but I didn't know he looked that good. He almost didn't get touched at all, besides that headbutt. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. He he looked almost flawless in there. And he had the perfect game plan for someone like Cruz to really chop them legs. Man, yeah, he slowed Cruz down. He was not moving the same after a few of those leg kicks. And, you know, you almost have to ask yourself, what was Dominic Cruz expecting coming into this fight? 
it seemed like he was uh, just doing the same formula, like not any adjustments to his game. Like just the same old, you know, pull in, pull out, you know, uh, in the pocket, out of the pocket exchange. Yeah, no, you're right. He did not make the adjustments. And Henry Cejudo is someone who's just constantly been making adjustments, fight after fight after fight. So uh, I, I honestly, I hope that this isn't the end of the Henry Cejudo show. I'd like to see, you know, a couple more fights. But if it is, man, kudos to you for an amazing career um, and and doing your thing, man. Oh, most definitely. We'll, we'll go ahead and keep it pushing. Main event of the evening. Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje. This is where shit got real for me. Um, this is where my my MMA dream turned into my MMA nightmare. And I'm not saying that because I'm a Tony Ferguson fan. I'm saying that because I'm a fan of this sport. I love MMA, but MMA don't love me. What do you think about this, Dior? This fight blew me away, honestly, because with, with Justin, I never took him seriously up until now. I really expected his career to play out like Chuck Liddell's to where he's just going to just take so many hits to the head that his brain is just going to give out. But mm. he's like, he's made so many adjustments and improvements in his game. Like, he's a, he's a mature fighter. Like, the, the fight that he did with Dustin and the fight that he did with Eddie Alvarez kind of made me look at him differently. But mm. now with this, this is a totally new Justin Gaethje. It's, it's weird. I, and I was expecting, I felt like even vintage Justin Gaethje would have been able to handle this, this version of Tony Ferguson. But we saw a new polished Justin Gaethje. We saw a guy that was, you know, very aware of when dangerous shots were coming. And to, we saw a Tony Ferguson who, in my opinion, looked very diminished. He did not look like he had the power behind the punches. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think he's from Cali. He might have suffered from some jet lag, like going through time zones to Florida or something. I, I think don't know. He was it's very back-to-back weight cuts. I think it's the back-to-back weight cuts that fucked Tony Ferguson. Uh, his decision to cut weight three weeks ago, when, I, I feel like it had to affect the, the way his muscles went into this fight. Yeah. Short notice and jet lag, you know. Um, yeah. But hey, you know that's that's he knew what he was doing uh, when he did that, and Justin Gaethje seized the moment. And now we lost our version of Mayweather Pacquiao. It's yeah. it's gone. I mean, and now it's going to turn into Mayweather Pacquiao. It's going to turn into eventually, you know. They're going to make this fight happen, but it's not going to have the same pop as it did, as it would have. Exactly. The Khabib, and, and what for people who are listening, I don't know who would be listening that doesn't know what I'm talking about. But for people who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Khabib Ferguson. It's gone. We're never going to get it. Yeah. At this point, I think Ferguson should retire. He's got I think he should have. Yep. I mean, he, he can still fight. He's still a capable fighter, but he just took so much damage in that fight, you know? Way too much. And what is what else does he have to prove besides fighting Khabib? Yeah. You know? Uh, but I don't know. Hey, man, I'm, it's a frustrating one, but we got three or two other fights this week. So we got some more violence coming. I'm pretty happy about that. 
Uh, Dior, we've already done our 20 minutes, man. Is there anything you desperately need to say to the people before we get out of here? Oh, no. Just watch MMA. Yeah, man. Watch MMA. I love it. Hey, bro. Thank you for accepting the call, dude. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem, man. All right, man.